0: The Art of Leadership Network. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Unfair Advantage podcast for church planters. My name is Andy Wood, and I'm your host. And today we're going to jump into our fifth episode with my friend, Mike Hickerson. He is the lead pastor of Mission Church in Ventura, California. Great leader. Started this church with his wife, Jody. And uh, some good friends. He shares a little bit about that in this episode. One really cool thing about Mike Mike is actually the coach for our first church planting cohort. So, we have started some cohorts for church planters with the Ascent Leader. And they were in my house in June of 2022 for the first ever gathering. Nine great church planters spread across the country. And we're going to keep doing it. It was such a huge success. We're going to do it again. And we'd love for you to be a part of it. So, If you would head over to the ascentleader.org, you can get all the details about our second cohort that we're forming. Uh, But the list is already built up, so I want to encourage you to go there pretty quickly if you want to be a part of that one. Now, also, in addition to that, I want to make sure you know about several of our sponsors. First of all, I'd like to say thank you to Kerry Newhoff and the Art of Leadership Network. Such a great resource. Now, one of the podcasts that they have in the Art of Leadership Network is by my good friend, Brad Lominick. Brad has been a friend and a mentor for years, actually was on the board of Echo Church for a while. Uh, In addition to this, Brad is one of the greatest connectors out there. Uh, He does a podcast kind of connected to the theme of his book, uh, The H3 Leadership, and I want to encourage you to check that one out. There's also so many great resources at kerrynewhoff.com. There are some amazing things that talk about. Uh, how to be resources, a leader for business leaders. There's subscription that you can uh, sign up for. They get you resources every month to equip you as a pastor, as a lay leader, equip your church lead, your, the leaders in your church. I want to encourage you to check that out. And then also to check out Food for the Hungry, uh, fh.org uh, slash churches, and you can get more information about how to make a difference in your community with people who are in poverty. Now, let's jump into this fun conversation with Mike Hickerson from Mission Church in Ventura, and I'll be back on the back end to wrap it up and kind of help us put into action some of the things that we learned today. Well, I'm here today with Mike Hickerson, pastor, church planter of Mission Church in Southern California. So good to be with you today.
1: Man, honor to be here, dude. So I feel like uh, I feel like I should be interviewing the, you, though. I've got so many questions for you, so it's, it's hilarious to be on this side of it because um, I've been cheering you on for a long time, so...
0: Well, I I love getting to connect with you and I've heard so many incredible things from our good friend Sean uh who talks about your leadership and it's exciting uh you know most of the church planters that are listening will know that we're going to be doing a cohort together which I'm I'm really pumped about. I cannot wait.
1: I'm excited about it.
0: Yeah, and we're we're uh we're also excited about, you know, continuing to learn from stories of people who've gone before us. And I'm so grateful for your willingness to invest in uh, church planters today. Mike, I'd love to hear a little bit of the, the backstory of your church plant and how you guys got started.
1: Yeah, Time do you have? No, I was living in Illinois working. I worked at some great churches. I didn't grow up in church, and so uh, for me, coming to Christ was uh, completely a world changing. And that wasn't my plan to be in ministry. And then God kind of led me to Him and uh, sent on that trajectory. And so I was working at churches, and I never wanted to be like a church planter. Back in the 2000s, because I thought they were all cynical 20 somethings that didn't want to be under leadership and or under authority. And I was like, well, I don't want to be that. I want to be somebody that is helping move the ball down the field. But God reoriented, reoriented some stuff. And I was working at a church in Illinois that I loved and they were reach. I had great. I was not I didn't have a lid. I was teaching and leading teams and all kinds of stuff and loved it. And they were great at reaching people. And I was like, man, I think every city in the world needs churches like this and, you know, begin to stir some stuff in me, like, okay. And a team of us that were praying through it, like, man, what would God do and where would he send us? And so we didn't know at the time, we're like, what do you do? You know, we didn't know church plant world. It wasn't super cool at the time. You know, I'm filling out forms. Like, do you like go online? I didn't exactly know, even know what the exponential conference was. I was just like, felt this calling and I'm like, God, you're going to have to make it clear. Cause I don't know what to do. So long story short, uh, we had a friend in, um, that was living in California that was working at a church, and they were getting ready to turn 10 years old. And it's a long-term friend that we had named Rusty George at Real Life Church in Valencia, California. And he connected to our our, our team and was like, hey, if you're thinking about planting a church and you don't know where, we would love to tr- start a church the way we got started, and we don't know who. Let's see if God may be in this. And it, it kicked us off on a journey that was unbelievable. So we ended up in Ventura, California, which is a really, really rough place. It's hard to live in. No, I'm kidding. It's an amazing city in Southern California. It's by the coast. It's north of Malibu, south of Santa Barbara, awesome city. Um, And it's been the privilege of my life to lead Mission Church in Ventura. We started in September 18th of 2011, and it's been a crazy, crazy good journey.
0: Wow. When you started, did you move with some friends or was it just you and your wife? was actually three couples uh that moved
1: together fundraised, and moved together and, and started the journey and we're all still on staff together so i know that doesn't happen there's usually horror stories around that but there it is possible to uh, work together and still love each other and still have faith so
0: that's awesome man how did you decide which of your friends to invite to come with you guys
1: yeah, we, we had a, it was like survivor and we just, no, I'm kidding. Uh We uh, we voted people off the island. No, it was one of those things where we had been praying with a group of people and uh, a couple we'd been praying with and we're like, man, we don't know what's up to, if it's God's moving one of us or God's moving all of us or what he's stirring. So let's be in it together and cheer each other on. And I was processing with a friend of mine because I didn't, my family didn't like, grow up in church. And so I was like trying to get some wisdom from, from him. And I was in a group with him and he's like, um, just, just so you know, like, since you've been talking to me about this, I think me and my wife are supposed to join your team. Would you ask the other couple if that's okay? And I'm like, yes. And so it was kind of like, God really formed a team that we had worked Mm -hmm. together. We knew each other well, I actually went to uh, college in Joplin, Missouri and was in acts class with uh, w- the wife of my friend who's on staff too. So we were in acts class as 18 year olds together, learning about the early church and um, then get to go on a journey and plant the church together. So it's been, it's been cool.
0: Wow. How did you know, like what the different roles would be on the team when you guys established Were was it clear that you and Jody were like more wired to be? the leaders of it, or was it something you guys had to navigate?
1: No, I think um, I was reticent at the beginning um, to say I'm the leader because I thought if you were a good leader, you didn't have to say that. And sometimes the bad leaders that I knew were in a meeting, slamming the table saying I'm the leader, but no one thought they had influence. So I was a little hesitant at the beginning to say I'm the leader, uh, but it was a good journey for God to go to take me on, to go like, it's okay to be the leader. Uh, And our team was uh, absolutely on board with that. And they, you know, they're all going like, well, we think we know you're the leader. Will you just admit that you're the leader? I'm like, no, it's us. It's us. It's us. And I still believe in the value of team to a, a huge extent, but you do have to have um, some point leadership and that's important. So uh, we, uh, not to say that, I mean, we fight well still on uh, because we're all in it together and we all are vested in it, but it, it's okay to be the leader. It was the journey for me.
0: Are those uh, people that you started with, are you guys, what's your relationship with them? Like outside of working together?
1: Yeah. So we wanted to just do life together, not just ministry. Um, And I know that sounds generic and everybody thinks that, but we actually like each other and like hanging out and friends and our our families are friends, which, you know, we love cheering each other on. So it's like, they're people that I love and trust, which also happen to be really high capacity and high gifted people. And so they're like some of our best friends and some of the people that anyone in the world would hire to do the role that they're doing in our church. So I feel like just super privileged to be part of it with them. It's, it's crazy how God has just been so good to our team. It's an awesome, awesome team. So for yeah. sure.
0: Did you edit, was there any point where you had to ask any of them to go rotate off or they're all, they're all still with you?
1: Yeah. So we started, so we started with three salaries. So even when we're talking about church planning, that is tough because you are fundraising. That's a big number to fundraise at the beginning. Yeah. So we, we committed to do that. And, um, we, ha- so we had some volunteer staff at the beginning, and that was one of the things that changed the trajectory of our church is like, what can't a volunteer do is one of the questions we started asking. So a volunteer with enough giftedness and humility and uh, uh, to, like, talent and opportunity and development, there's probably not much that a volunteer can't do. But sometimes we as staff limit because of volunt- we say no for them. And so we started uh, with the the idea that we have volunteer staff that give some of the best hours of their day to pretty significant ministry initiatives as a church plant. So, uh, we were able to do some of that early with some of the the people that we moved out with, which was really really cool. It's incredible. But no, they've all been on staff the whole time.
0: Yeah, it's it that that journey for us very similar, uh, but we had one couple that rotated off about 7 years in. And then we had another couple that was the parent was the parents of our executive pastor, and then they moved away and he, we, we convinced them to work remotely for about a year after they moved. It was during the pandemic. but yeah it's 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 beautiful when it works and then you know we all know stories of, of people that it didn't really work for. but one of the things right. you talked about was the capacity of those people. How did you how did you know or did you know? at the beginning that these are some folks that have the capacity to grow with the church? Because they had
1: sacrificed to be part of this team to be, like, we were all working in different ministry platforms and together in a way like, so the big didn't scare us and complex didn't scare us because we had seen bigger places we had led you know we had been in different roles our seats were a little different but we weren't intimidated by the scale of it so i knew that we i mean we never dreamed that we would even work and exist as a church but we i knew that getting bigger wasn't going to be scary to the team that we were uh that we were launching and starting with so uh, i don't know if that makes sense but yeah they were they were used to scale and used to leading at a high level yeah
0: yeah so you weren't a you weren't a bunch of like disgruntled, just post-college kids that didn't know what to do with your lives. And you're like, well, maybe we'll plant a church. Right. It was more mission focused, no pun intended. Um, and then... Yeah, 100%. It, it, we really had one of the, a leader that
1: I respect and would regret it now. He said that he would regret it now, but he looked at us and was like, what are you all doing? You're in the prime of your ministry life and you all are killing it. And you're so gifted why would you waste your life right now in this window to go teach a couple hundred people in a movie theater in California? Mm. And it's like, cause we feel that's obedience and we feel like that's the great commission that we're called to, but you as church planners, you're going to get that good kind of crazy. That's why I have affinity to church planners. Yeah. I'm like, man, I would hang out with a church planner all day long. So
0: yeah. How old were you when you started?
1: Man, that's a great question. I should know that right off. I'm in my uh, your early 30s, so I was I'm 44 right now, so it would have been 32, 33. Okay,
0: that's good, man. What about? So let's double click on the whole support raising thing because I know you're you're pretty passionate about yep. that, and a lot of church planters. Well, because I was ter because I was terrible at it. That's, uh,
1: so I, I, I want to help people m- get away from the mistakes that I made. So
0: what? How did you? How did it go for you in the pre-launch? Like, did you guys raise a lot of money in the pre-launch? We did, and we uh, had some surprising no's,
1: which if you're a church planner, you're going to get in your fundraising. Get used to no. Steal your reserve and your heart to, for the no's yeah. uh, because the people that uh, you expect sometimes are going to say no, and then God will provide people that you are a surprising yes. And so uh, just be ready for that. Uh, I just wasn't ready— um, in my mind, I had never done donor development. I had never, never done any fundraising. I had just never done that personally or as a leader. So it was a skill set that I wasn't ready. And no one was uh, pushing me enough to realize that no one's going to church or uh, fundraise the church for me mm-hmm. or fundraise the vision for us. Yeah. And so I just am t- always telling planters, you got to have a plan to attack it mm-hmm. um, and fund it. Um, and fund it to sustainability, not just to your salary in year one. Fund it as a project would be my bias. Fund it as a project to where it could become self-sustaining in years two and three and give it room to breathe and grow to sustainability versus just you know stopping when you get your salary covered. Mm-hmm. Because that's your window. Pre-launch is your window to, to do your best fundraising. Because most of the time when you move to your city, you still are going to need to be fundraising. And you're now trying to meet people, but you're in funding mode. Yeah. and so I'd say, man, as much as you can, slow down and get it funded in a great way as best you can.
0: That's so good. Yeah, the it's kind of like on a lot of times with our staff, it doesn't happen a ton right now, but in the past there have been staff members that are like, well, I can't, I can't get enough people to serve. I can't get a, uh, you know, uh, and they're shooting for a number, and that number that they're shooting for is is like the bare minimum of what they need. And so there, it's like you're shooting, but you're short. And that's, I love what you're saying, because it's so true when you're raising the resources, like shoot, shoot, shoot way out there, like way more resources than you've ever heard another church planter have, and then go for it. And then if you don't, if you don't get all the way there, you have way more than you thought you would. Yep, absolutely. I've
1: never heard of a church plant, and maybe I'm so sure somebody will correct me, but I've never heard of a church plant that's like, man, I wish we wouldn't have funded. We spent way too much time on fundraising before we moved to our city or before when we were in pre-launch mode. Now, yeah. I, I, Everyone that I've heard regrets that. Um, and I'd even give a word, if you have already planted and started, man, and you're having some early success, that's a great window to go back to the circles that you were fundraising from and give them up like would you help fund this project or would you help you know because some people want to invest in something that's winning some people want to invest in the people some people want to invest in the stories and so once you have stories they're all in to help
0: be in then and they
1: weren't in at the beginning so yeah don't lose that
0: muscle that's really good and then at that point you're all the all of what you're raising is an add-on you know so it's like you've you already have the momentum it seems like you're, from a thinking, the way that you process, from what I can tell, like you you had a, like, a phase mentality with the church plant prior to coming out well, here. Well, I think I do now.
1: I mean, I yeah. think we all have revisionist history. When we look back, that's where all the books come from. We can look back and go like, oh, I know exactly how to do it. But when you're in it, it feels very much like Pioneer and you're like scrambling for, that's why I love this podcast. Any advantage you can get, you're listening for like, oh, I need to write that down. Uh, but now looking back, I can see some of the arcs and phases that was happening. So I would things like, you know, calling, f- navigating that, and you know that could trip some people up. And what it is, or assessment, or assessing, you know, mm-hmm. team building. Uh, I the, I'm sure none of this is original to me. So anything that I say is not original to me. So I'm not trying to take credit for it. But exegeting your culture and your city and what God where God has called you to is a phase. You know, funding. Fundraising is a phase. Team building is a phase. Core building is a phase. Like, you know, la- launching is a phase. Existing yeah. is a phase. You know, all those kinds of things are like, and it, what's required at each of those things is different. And I think if, as a church planter, to realize what season you're in is important, because you could be winning in the wrong things, uh, yeah, for the, the in the in the wrong season, the right things in the wrong season.
0: It's really good. So, if you were to say, like, from that kind of calling piece. Maybe we can even double click on that, but all the way into when you move into a community to plant a church, like if you had to say the top four or five categories of things that church planters should really give energy to, up into yeah. that point, what are those? From calling from to
1: co- to being in the city, yeah, or wherever they're. Yeah. And you can, and we I would can double click
0: on calling because that's huge too.
1: I would say slow down because you get one chance to do this season well and healthy mm-hmm. and there's a rush i know the financial pressure i know the the family pressure what are the logistics when are we moving how are we doing it we just resigned oh my goodness you know there's so much pressure that can come in that season but this is your one window right here to decompress to take stock of what god has called you to and make that plan um, so i'd say slow down to, in most church plans that i've seen wish that they don't wish they had gone faster in the launch phase. They wish they would slow down and do it in a more healthy way uh, for both the, their pace of life and funding. And um, so I would say, slow down, um, exegete the culture as best you can. What I mean is like, what are the isms of your place? And, you know, know, Gene Peterson would say like, there's something holy about the people and the place that God has called you to. So stay in that holiness of like, where, who are the people and where's the place What's true about it? What's not true about it? Where, you know, what, where are the best places to eat? What do they think about people that aren't from there? You know, what lie is, is your city selling that's antithetical to the gospel? And what hope does the gospel have in your city? And you're not going to lead with that on day one. Like, here's where the, here's where my city sucks. You know, you're leading with, man, where's the hope at in that are the lie that people believe in our area? So what are the, restaurants? What are the political climate? What do, where do people go? What do they do for fun? You know, how much margin do they have? What does family look like? You know, what does entertainment look like? You know, all that stuff. Uh, just pay attention to all the
0: exegete that. That's really good. How about on the calling? Let's talk about that. Cause I know you have some, some passion for the significance of identity and how that plays into your calling. And um, talk, talk about how you, you see calling for church planters yeah I, it's
1: it's a like a holy thing i think and so i, I always want to make sure that i'm suspending judgment on other people's calling because so i wouldn't want to like cast judgment on somebody's obedience or what they're hearing but i do think there's something that's not just like i want to go do this or that would be cool Or man, this is like the new thing for entrepreneurs and young, you know, young leaders to kind of get some some reps and some clicks. Let's do a Let's do a church. plan. That'll work. I think there's a holiness to it of like, man, if you could do anything else other than this, do it because it's hard. And this thing will being a pastor is difficult. Being a church planner is difficult. And it will uh, what I don't want to happen is that uh, guys and girls are navigating calling and that they get their identity wrapped up in what they do. As a pastor before, before placing it as who they are as much loved sons and daughters. Mm-hmm. And this thing that you're in will, it will, everybody will tell you, you do great. Everybody will hate every decision that you make. You'll disappoint people all the time. And so if you need their approval and you're looking for other people's approval, this is the worst job that you could possibly do for your soul. So mm-hmm. make sure that God has absolutely called you to, um, to what he's called you to before you step forward in it.
0: That's good. How did you like in the formation of security of your identity? How how do you think you got to a place where you have that confidence more?
1: Man, I if I'm being honest, I would say God has been really kind to me. You know, I I didn't uh, grow. I mean, I. Just had to navigate things. Um, walking into Bible college, and that's the first time I'd ever been around a bunch of Christians in education mode. And I was like, These are not my people. Like they're a little weird. I don't know what to do. So God grew me up in that season and and to say, like, man, I you are a much loved son of mine. I have gifted, I've called. And it's just been a thing that He's gifted with me with throughout my time. I don't get it all right all the time, but I'm an eight on the Enneagram. And so it also leads to some self-sustainability, but bent Mm -hmm. as my personality. So to need anybody other than God sometimes is a weakness for me. And so it's been a, it's been a good journey for me to rely on God as a, as a, as a father, as the one that is the audience of one as like, that's what matters at the end of the day. Like that's who I want to be. That's, that's, that's the thing that's been anchoring for me.
0: Yeah, that's good. It's interesting how, um, each of our different wirings, we have our own sin struggles, and I, I'm a fellow aide on the enneagram. Oh, and so, I knew I liked you. Yeah. So you, there is a sense in like, you know, there's been a couple of times where in, in the middle of COVID, you know, it's really hard, and you're like, well, if I gotta go start start over again with my wife and Jesus, I'll I'll do it. Uh, you know, and there is something about that that wiring. You know, eights, we have a whole different category of sin struggle.
1: Mm-hmm. We do.
0: And it's the only one you read, you're like, oh, there's that That can't be a good one.
1: So <laughs> I'm trying to be the as healthy a healthy eight as I can, for sure. For, the, But I think even that there's that thing with church planners that we. I want to continue to think like a church plant. We talk about it all the time. I don't want to lose that at all. Like, don't give up. Don't arrive. Think like a church plant. So when COVID hit and we're all reeling, there was a moment— that I was like, well, we're still on the hook for the Great Commission. So let's get about it in our context and let's go. So,
0: Yeah, that's good. I think that the part of the call or the identity that's harder for me than like, oh, well, everybody's looking at me. Am I doing a good job? It's more like, man, I want to be making progress so much faster than I'm making progress. And then I can create some arbitrary, like a, competitive number in my mind or situation in my mind, like, well, if we can do this, then it's successful. And I don't really care what other people think about it. It's not like I'm, you know, doing it for somebody else's approval, but it's like, it's still that part of, man, I, I want to be making progress. I'm not making progress. And then there are times in our lives where God will just, you know, he he presses the pause button on something. Have you had any seasons like that where you felt like God, God was saying to you, you know, Mike, slow down You're you're finding too much of your juices from what you're producing. Yeah,
1: I I mean, we just went on our first ever sabbatical. Um and it wasn't a forced one or a mandated one, so I think those are the best kind, a proactive one this last summer. And then I it was so I wasn't expecting to need it if that makes sense as a as a eight that it thinks they got it all together and in their pride. I'm just kidding. I I did not think I had it all together, but it was so helpful for me. To re- to remind myself that I am not my role, uh, I am not my gifts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, you know, I am not what I bring to the kingdom. I am just a much loved son, and that's mm-hmm. enough. And if and if I'm looking for that anywhere else, I get jacked up, and I put a weight on my gifts, or I put a weight on my role, or I put a weight on my church, or I put a weight on my spouse, or a weight on my family that is not theirs to to carry. It's it's God's to carry. So I would be the leader of not getting that right. But that's something that always calls me back home when I'm like, no, no, I'm not what I do. I'm a much loved son. So like for me, I don't really I like strategy and all the stuff. I'm behind the scenes, love it. But when I come home after teaching, it's like it's dishes. It's, you know, like we're going to go to play soccer. We're going to get out on the field. I'd rather be on the a soccer dad than like super pastor type of person. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm trying to navigate that in a healthy
0: way. That's really good. So you guys have been going now for almost 10 years or just over 10 years. Right. And when you reflect back, if you were able to sit down and like give yourself some counsel when you were first starting... What would be some of the things that you'd say, this, this is something you should really be thinking about?
1: Yeah, identity in Christ. Um, and it's, it's such a, we have, what else do we have to offer besides the fact that we are much loved sons and, you know, and daughters that have been rescued? That's where the power comes from. That's like God rescues and saves. So don't, um, don't underestimate your role and don't overestimate your role. Just agree with God that you are a much loved son, Mike. You're going to need to remember this, you know, that you are a much loved son and that's it. And so don't be false humble and don't don't be overly prideful. Just agree with God that that's where you're at. Um so that would be it. Team, man, I think there's something about uh you know, I as amazing as the church planters are probably listening to this and they're way more gifted than we are probably. um, And probably they have way more information at their disposal than we had when we were planting, which is great. Mm -hmm. I think that we should get better at all that, but um, they're just not enough to do it on their own. Like they're not that good of no matter how great they are. We're just not that good to do it on our own. So how can we, you start reading Ephesians, we're gifted to build up the body. That's what our gifts are for and to reflect on the gift giver who gave it to us. So, how are we doing at building and releasing our teams and volunteers to find their God-given role in the kingdom, not just come and let, hear me teach.
0: Mm -hmm. Those
1: are way different things. And I need to remind myself of that. And then the fundraising piece is massive. Like, you know, uh, cause I, cause I needed to grow in it. It was one of my growth points. And so I would need to look back at myself and go like, get better at it sooner, get better at donor development sooner, hang out with Steve Stroop sooner
0: and talk and ask him all the questions about donor development. So, uh, Steve is savant at that, and what was the what's the name of his book? Money Matters in Church. That's a super helpful one on on some of that stuff.
1: Absolutely, just write it down and do what he says.
0: Yeah. So, talk a little bit about this whole aspect of keeping your heart tender towards people who are far from God, and how have you done that in this journey? Oh well, that's I think that's well.
1: I'm trying to be careful not to should on everyone. That's important because everyone gets should on these days. I want to enunciate that clearly, by the way. So I'm going to yeah. be careful not to should on everyone because everyone wants to should on pastors and church planters these days. But, um, I think what I think that should be the motivator of planting churches. Like I don't want, I don't think we ought to be sending church planters out that don't have a heart for lost people because I don't know why we would be planting churches that don't want to reach people far from God. So I would say, man, that that's got to be the motivator. And initially, when you're in launch mode, they are hypothetical. You're like, mm-hmm. I, I want to reach these people far from God. But then very quickly, they will be personal and be neighbors. And uh, hopefully every church planner has those people that, man, you, you watch them come to Christ. You watch God transform their life and you are done playing church you are done doing it any other way. You're done playing the game because, man, when it's real and tangible, man, that's that's a game changer. And so one of the ways that we fight about it on our staff to, to keep that at the center is we don't want to have hypothetical people that we're reaching. We want to have real people in our lives where we live, work, and play that we're reaching. And so we're in groups or, you know, you could do rooted, you're in rooted groups or you're on the soccer field, you're watching, you're in baptisms. Like let's, we want to have real people in our world that we're, that we uh, that we're reaching. I talk about it a lot in my heart and with our team, like, man, I don't, it's not just that we have to, you know, love lost people because, you know, it's theologically we have to, um, I think we need to like them, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, you know, I challenge, I would challenge church planters and I challenge me. It's like, when's the last time somebody far from God invited you to do something socially? Like, do they like you enough to invite you into their world? Because I watched Jesus get invited all over the place in, and -hmm. he had no problem being in socially. But I think sometimes we've made, um, we've made lost people a theological thing and theoretical thing versus a real thing. And we don't even, we love them. We don't really like them, and they don't really like us so we're never around them and i'd say fight to the edges church planners fight to the edges to be around lost people because i don't think in your church will not be more most likely won't be more
0: evangelistic than than you are so fight Mm. to the edge it's so good man it's it's been really fun and encouraging for me how this theme has come up on the podcast just naturally and uh, part of it is just like the the like attracts like you know people that have that same passion And there, there's a group, there's a tribe of pastors out there that really, this is their passion. And I, like I know, in the the grand scheme of things, the greater landscape, there are a lot of churches that are really focused on. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna disciple believers, which is you know half of the Great Commission, but totally neglect reaching people who are far from God. And I just I appreciate that that's your passion. Thanks. I, we talk a lot, and this is not original to us.
1: It's grace and truth and time. Yeah. So yes, we want to disciple people, but man, it's not like instantaneous that you go from, you know, God had to work to do to transform my heart and grow me up. And he's still transforming me. And I think sometimes we want to fast forward that process and it's grace and truth and time. So I, I, I love it when I meet like-minded people and church planters usually in that 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 way.
0: That's good. Anything else that you'd like to say before we wrap up? Yeah,
1: um, man, uh, I'd say Five Dysfunctions of a Team has been a was a pretty powerful book. If you're looking for a resource, it's by Patrick yes. Lencioni. Basically, anything he writes is great. But that's, I, that's a team building book. If you're looking how to do it, that's a that's a like go to always. And I think humility um, is the soil in which um, the spiritual gifts grow. So church planners need to stay in that. That's that's where they grow. And then, just and as you're fundraising and as you're thinking, um, church planters are always navigate, navigating the strings that are come along with everything in the season that they're in. And so, treat I would say treat your church plant like NASCAR, meaning let people put stickers on the outside. Absolutely, yeah, sticker that thing up on the outside, especially if they're helping fund it and helping you know all that stuff. But be very, very, very careful who you let touch the engine. And so, uh, I would, that would be one of my, uh, just, we can chat about that later some other time, but yeah, I'll throw that that. in there.
0: I've heard the NASCAR illustration, but I never heard the engine line at the end of it. That's awesome. That's good, man. Well, dude, I, I'm. Yeah, I'd love to at some
1: point. We need to pick your brain on this podcast because, uh, man, literally, I've I've watched and I've learned from distance from you for a long time. So it feels kind of funny to be asked questions by you when I have a lot of questions for you. So,
0: well, this is I I love I mean, this is my mojo, man. I love being in conversations with people, learning. And I, I feel like I always anytime I talk to another pastor or church planter that is moving the ball down the field in God's kingdom. There's just so much to to learn. And I feel like what happens for me in these conversations is to see the the breadth of what God is doing all over our country and all over our world, and to think about the limitless nature of the Holy Spirit being poured out to, to reach generations and that we get to be a part of that. It's just such a huge privilege. So thank you for your work in Ventura and the greater Southern California area and investing in church planters. I'm really excited about hanging out with you real soon for our first cohort.
1: Honored to do it, man. Privileged to be part of it. We need more churches, not less. Let's go for it.
0: Let's do it. Well, thanks, Mike, for that fantastic conversation. I'd like to actually just kind of camp on that whole idea of starting with a team, because I think a lot of pastors and church leaders who are strong leaders tend to think that they can do it on their own. And we all know deep in our hearts that we can't do it on our own. And if you're starting a church, I wanna encourage you, the most important step that you can take after discerning God's call is to put together a team of people that will start the church with you that have different complementary gifts and even complementary personality to yours. I wanna encourage you to begin praying about it. Just like Jesus, when he started his ministry, he began with 12. We need a group of people that we do this together with, and I wanna encourage you to begin thinking about that if you haven't already. And also, great resource on this is a book called The Advantage uh, by Pat Lencioni. And then another great book is called Who, Not How by Dan Sullivan. Both of these are great resources around building teams of people. And as I said earlier, Mike is our coach of our first cohort. If you liked what he had to say, uh, you would even love more being a part of a cohort with somebody like Mike, who's one of our coaches. So you can go to theascentleader.org. Again, guys, thank you so much for being a part of our tribe. Thank you. Food for the Hungry for partnering with us. Thank you, Carrie Newhoff, the Art of Leadership Network. And most important, I wanna say thank you. Thank you for investing time in getting better as a leader. Our goal here is to help you win early and finish strong. And if you know somebody else who's a church planter and they're just getting started, share the love. Invite them to be a part of the tribe and be resourced as a church planter so that they can win early and finish strong. Our goal here is to give you free, helpful content no matter where you are in your journey, whether you're starting three years in, and we're going to do that. I'm actually going to be launching some series of podcasts that are more just content-based, less interview style. So I'd love to get your feedback on that. that is, that's where we'll go on the next episode for our sixth episode of the Unfair Advantage podcast for church planters. Thanks so much for joining us today. We look forward to being with you on the next episode of the Unfair Advantage podcast for church planters.